How did one entrepreneur walk away from corporate life to create what she calls a more authentic and irreverent approach to insurance and employee benefits? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is sponsored by MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions for benefit advisors. Local, regional, and national advisors rely on this affordable, easy-to-use, real-time search engine to find their target prospects. For more information, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. We're very pleased to welcome Mindy Lamont to the podcast. Mindy is creator and founder of The Insurist, which, as their website says, is a more down-to-earth approach to insurance and employee benefits. Welcome, Mindy. Nice to talk. Let's start where, where everything starts with a little bit about your background. How do you get to where you are today? So I started in the insurance industry in 1999. I was with one of the larger carriers, spent 12 years there. Uh, and, and a funny story, because how did any of us start in the insurance business? Um, unless you came, were brought up in a family business, you didn't you know, come out of the womb saying, I want to sell insurance products. I was moving to San Diego looking for a job, ran into two guys who ran an agency in Los Angeles. They said, oh, you got to go talk to our friend down in San Diego. He needs someone to help him with his office. And I thought, oh, sounds like a good opportunity. It's different. I was, I was finishing school. And I went down there and he hired me. And I, now I have to preface this with I had never worked in any kind of office before in my life. I had owned a couple businesses. I don't even think I'd had any form of W-2 experience. And he said, yeah, I need someone to manage operations here. And he hires me on the spot. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that was good. But what what do I do now? And I spent about the first two weeks of that afraid of everyone and them all thinking, figuring out that I was a fraud. And then after about two weeks, I discovered that um, nobody was really working there and started making some changes, which uh, worked for me and my career. And the next thing you know, I was up in Newport Beach managing operations for a large region and blah, 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 about nine years in operational type roles. And I decided that I was bored and miserable. And I had a great boss who allowed me to branch off into more recruiting and business development, got me closer to the client, got me closer to the producer. And at that point, I decided that selling actually looked like a fun thing to do. And that all the action was with the clients. And I got licensed and I started selling and quickly discovered I didn't want to sell under one of those large umbrellas, moved to a small boutique RIA to expand my money management capabilities, discovered that that really wasn't it either and that I wanted to stick with insurance products. I wanted to be able to use the word guarantee and um, eventually launched the insurist and started to do it the way I wanted to. Mentally, what was the shift that came to mind when you said, what was the aha moment when you said, there's got to be a better way to do this than I think I have it? And where did that take you? I don't know that there was an exact aha moment because I, I started the insurance as an internet project. I saw the term life market moving to the internet. 
I mean, and it's still in that in that process. It won't ever be 100% there, but I was watching the AccuQuotes and the Select Quotes and being someone who has a, a love for unique branding, I, um, I saw a little niche for a brand that spoke to the younger first-time buyer that could be more authentic, maybe a little irreverent about the industry. And I started just brainstorming on what that brand could look like. Launched a website, The Insurist. It took me, I probably played around with it for about a year. And if I told you some of my original branding concepts, you would laugh me off the podcast. But um, I was still working at that boutique RIA, and but I was spending all of my time on the insurance because I was having so much fun. And, and one day I resigned and I got off the phone with the president after spontaneously resigning and thought, what the hell did you just do? And then um, I focused on the insurance and still it, it was still an Internet project. And people started calling me when I started blogging for LifeHealthPro.com. And um, people started calling and saying, are you hiring? And I said, no, no, this is just an internet thing. And then I started thinking, well, does it translate to the street? Yeah, it does translate to the street. And I started hiring salespeople. And today we're a group of five. I hope to get to 10 next year. And uh, I think the aha moment was really when people started seeing what I was doing and, and wanting to be a part of it. I haven't actively recruited anyone. They found me. That was kind of the underlying Interesting. Now, you, you use two words, and I think that'll take us into our, our next segment, but you use two words that aren't generally applied to certainly insurance world in general and certainly not life insurance. You said more authentic and irreverent. Can you help our listeners understand what you meant, what was in your mind when you were using those two words? <laughs> well, I'll start with irreverent in that I, you know, I, the insurance industry has not done itself any favors with its image in the public. People don't like us. There are a lot of reasons for that. I have a presentation that I do called Why You Hate Life Insurance and the People Who Sell It. But we don't do ourselves any favors. And I think that you kind of have to take that elephant out of the room when you're dealing with people and and trying to craft insurance solutions for them. You, you kind of have to make fun of yourself. And that's why I use the word irreverent. Authentic, yeah, there's another point of weakness for the industry. Um I've said this in, in other mediums, but we have to stop with these cheesy sales tactics. I don't use them. I never will. And I've had plenty of managers try to tell me I should, but I'm me and I, you know, and the products are what the products are. If somebody wants to know how much a commission rate is on anything that they're buying, I will tell them exactly what it is. I don't care. You just have to be real. Is the market that's appealing to in the market that you set out to serve, would it be right to say that it's largely a millennial market? You know, I started out to focus on millennials and they do have very different buying habits or preferences because when you compare a millennial client or prospect with someone say, let's just say in their seventies, a lot of the older market they expect to be sold. And it's very interesting because I've sat in client meetings with, with a 70 plus year old client and I can tell that they are expecting to be sold. And so a consultative approach doesn't always work in that market. But a millennial doesn't want to be sold. They'll, they'll just shut off. They want to be given the information that allows them, and this is at least my experience, that allows them to make the decision that feels good. 
Interesting. Now, I know that you said when you started the agency, you started marketing life insurance. And that made sense. I mean, I, we a lot of us saw the term life market going online. Right. And because it, it, it's more easily commoditized than something that has a gazillion variables like some of the other products. But you've since branched out. How did that start? What was that process like? And what was the thought process behind taking an agency that was originally started on the life insurance side and branching into other areas? There's an, an, a number of reasons. I like the business-to-business market. I have always wanted to be in the business-to-business market. It's a more complex sale and a more complex transaction. But I, you know, I, I like to say I, I often prefer the boardroom to the living room. So I always had that in the back of my mind moving into that market. So it wasn't necessarily an accident. And like I had mentioned, the, the insurist or the insurist.com was a term life internet marketing project. And when I took it to the street, I decided that I wanted to be a full service agency. So in that vein, I like to say we have one foot in the internet or on the internet and one foot on the street. But going back to your question on millennials, when I started focusing on millennials, I didn't think the branding would translate into the older ages. And I've found that it does actually translate very well. I mean, I think it goes back to those two words we were talking about, which are irreverence and authenticity. Now a word from our sponsor, MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Are you wasting valuable time searching for qualified leads? The MyEdge prospecting solution makes it easy to research, find commissions, premiums, fees, and see all the current lines of coverage an employer is reporting. Why not use a targeted 5500 prospecting solution that was designed specifically for benefit advisors? MyEdge supplies the data that counts when you need to research prospects or learn what competitors are selling in your market. And learning to use MyEdge is fast and easy. When your prospecting data is accurate and with real-time updates, you'll spend less time researching and more time selling. To learn more about this innovative prospecting solution, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. So what product came after the life insurance? I'm curious as to what the progression was. Um, We started with group health, started focusing on small to medium-sized businesses, 99 employees or smaller. And, And for a very pointed reason, I have a lot of HR background from my days in management and I've found that we are able to provide a service beyond just a health plan because we take on the administration of that plan for all companies that don't have someone on their team to do it. Because most companies of that size, maybe in in, 75 and up, they may have an HR person, but a lot of the small to medium-sized businesses can't sustain a full-time role for that. And so where does the administration of the plan land? It lands on your accounts payable person or a marketing person or the president or someone who is not a benefits person. And so they create liability for themselves. They create liability for the company and they are never happy about doing it. So yeah, my profit margins might be lower than the next broker, but we handle everything as it relates to the plan. For is that, that something that you use in your marketing when you're approaching a prospect? Is that is that something yes. you put up front? Absolutely. And it's something that keeps the business very sticky because, you know, it's starting again. But at the end of last year, with all the changes with healthcare reform and such, you know, brokers were out 
calling everybody they could, telling them their plans weren't compliant, blah, blah, blah. And I had several of my group clients go down the road. And I knew they were being shopped because they were asking me for all their documents, you know, but that's fine. And then they they would get to the point of asking the broker who's soliciting them, you know, well, how, how do you handle the administration of the plan? And the broker would say, well, you do. And they would say, see ya. So, yeah, like I said, my profit margin on that business is lower than the next guy, but I'm, I'm okay with that. And what came after group health? Other forms of group benefits. You know, we don't do a lot of annuities when they're appropriate, you know, because we do tend to focus on growing families and growing companies. Annuities aren't a big part of that market, but disability is the next, if you want to call it a product market that we are focusing on and we're actually looking for a disability specialist to join the team but when i when i bring on new salespeople, i keep it really simple because it's so easy to get overwhelmed so they will focus on life insurance and group health and you know there's a reason for that because the group health keeps the lights on (laughs) right i understand it is nice to wake up on the first of every month and know that you know you can pay your bills and be able to plan for the future. So it sounds like you, you really do have kind of a hybrid approach. Is, I, I presume the term life is still more internet-based. It is and it's not. You know, I mean, we, it is in the sense that we. I like to build a web presence around specific markets. Um, the one that we're about to launch, there's a beta version of the website up right now, but it's in Shermom2TOO. And that marketing push, if you will, is focused on educating families that the wife or mother in that family needs to be insured too, because I've sat in countless meetings where even if the wife is the primary breadwinner, a lot of times the husband cannot understand why they should buy life insurance for her. And it's, I call it a social hangover. So we're, we're kind of out to solve that gap. But when, going back to what you asked about term life being web-based or not, you know, we're going to launch that website and build that web presence, but we're also going to be on the ground going out to different, like we're doing a, we're doing Fall Fest in November, which is put on by a group called Club Mommy. So we couple the, the, the web marketing with the in real life marketing, if you will. Interesting. So, so you really still have kind of a hybrid agency. There's an awful lot yeah. that more traditional benefit advisors would relate to and would understand. Yet you, it started as, to use your words, as an internet project. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I like to say that we use, you know, the old world agency management techniques coupled with new world technology. Because I also think, I think that the, even the millennials, but the market isn't quite ready for a completely electronic transaction. I'd like to think they're more ready than they are, but I've, I've just noticed that in my experience in the last two years that, And then the industry isn't either. We cannot bind life coverage online. So we've got some work to do, but that's where I see it going. I mean, we we always wrap up the interviews. We're not quite there yet. But since you brought up the future and where you see things going, what is your vision for the future? Do you think the carriers will get there and become more electronic savvy? And do you think the public will follow or lead? Every day I see new developments by the carriers that get us closer to that. And, and I, know, I know there are some hesitancies around, you know, 
whether it's fraud or money laundering or all of those things that we worry about and that we, you know, work as an industry to avoid or eliminate. And I get that. But I think what an electronic process straight through, you know, from start to finish will do is it'll help us reach the under or uninsured markets that need life insurance the most. Because if you take a, a transaction that's two, three hundred dollars, you know, per year, let's say, and no one wants to chase down that business. Your fuel cost would, would put you in bankruptcy. But if you could solicit that business online, if everything in that transaction was electronic and could be automated we could reach that market and ensure those people who need the coverage the most. Well, and the, the last estimate that I heard on that middle market, on that vast untapped middle market, is that it's a, about a $37 billion opportunity. Yeah. Like I said, it, it's the people who need the product the most, who need that basic coverage. But it, it's not a profitable market on foot. It can be very profitable electronically. No question. Do you see, in the broader sense, the carriers pushing the market or the consumers pushing the carriers to finally get those last pieces in place to become more electronic? I've thought about that question for a while now, and I'm not sure I have the answer. I often feel like it's the carriers that are in the way because I think, I mean, they have the keys and they have the capabilities. I mean, everything that we need to do that for a client to be able to find the product online and purchase it and never have to actually talk to someone, every component of that process we, we have today, they just don't talk to each other. Do you think that that, that kind of a, of a motif will manifest itself in, in products like life insurance first, especially term, which might be more commoditized and that there will still be products like disability, which has always seemed at least to me to be more of a, a nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball sale will remain that way? Or do you think there'll be two different groups of consumers? I would say yes. I mean, and I think you can look at it from, you know, the simplicity of the transaction, say in a term life sale. I mean, that there's not a lot of questions to answer in that sale. And I think you can definitely take the discovery process for a simple term life sale and digitize that. But, you know, disability, long-term care, there are a lot more questions you have to answer. And there are a lot more inputs and outputs that have to have to be discovered. And so, you know, and that a lot of times that's going to be a different client as well. So I, I'm going to say that those would take a lot longer if they ever did completely turn over to the internet. But, you know, we can, we, we know that we can buy health insurance online now, both at the individual level and the group level. So there's one piece that's made it. <laughs> well, it's, it's some place to start. Mindy, thank you so much for taking time to, to chat with the Shift Shapers audience. We appreciate your insights and learning more about what you're doing over at The Insurist. Thanks for having me. It was fun. For more information about this episode or about any of our earlier episodes and to learn how to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. While you're on the site, leave a comment and register to be part of the Shapers community. You'll be the first to learn about upcoming specials like exclusive webinars and content you can use to take your business to the next level. Again, thanks for joining us for today's episode. And remember, you have the power to shape the shifts in your business.